sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Tuesday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well. That includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination to consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here bright and early on this Tuesday morning. A ton to get to over our next two hours. We will literally stop pretty much everywhere along the sports landscape here in the second week of June. The Stanley Cup final had game number two last night in Viva Las Vegas, proving why once again with an electric atmosphere even on a Monday, Las Vegas, Nevada has become Hockey Town USA. Game number three of the NBA Finals is tomorrow. We'll take an early preview at that between the Heat and the Nuggets as we head to Miami for the third game of the 2023 NBA Finals. Some more offseason conversations around the association as well. LeBron James to the Dallas Mavericks. Is it even realistic? We'll touch in on the National Football League, go all around the Major League Baseball diamond, and we are nearing title weekend over in Paris at Roland Garros for the 2023 French Open. All of that and more over these next two hours. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time, live right here on the grid. Game number two of the Stanley Cup final in 2023 last night. The Vegas Golden Knights booked as a minus 142 home ice favorite looking to take a 2-0 series advantage over the Florida Panthers. Vegas scored five goals in game number one on Saturday, including all three of the third period goals that we saw in that opening game. They continued that offensive momentum into game number two because five goals, not enough for Vegas last night. How about seven for the Golden Knights as they take a commanding 2-0 series advantage over the Florida Panthers, winning game number two by the final score of 7-2. to two. The over... Had the juice last night at five and a half. It was minus 140 for that VIG you had to pay. And you certainly should have paid it with nine combined goals. The opening two games of the 2023 Cup Final, both hitting the over. So when you score seven goals, a ton of players on your team are going to find the back of the net. Jonathan Marcheseau led the way for Vegas last night, tickling the twine twice for the Vegas Golden Knights. Assisted on both of his goals, by Jack Eichel, one of the leaders offensively for Vegas. Brett Howden also finding the back of the net. Alec Martinez at that 14 to 1 number you see right there, the longest on the board listed yesterday on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Out of 31 possible players, Alec Martinez scores for Vegas. Matthew Kachuk did score on the other side for Florida, albeit in a losing effort. 7 to 2, the victory for Vegas as the Golden Knights take that commanding 2-0 series advantage here in the 2023 Stanley Cup 
final. And again, here's what is at stake. Vegas has been a franchise in the National Hockey League now for just six seasons. This is their second appearance in a cup final. They did so on their maiden voyage back six years ago, but they are looking to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup for the first time in franchise history, a franchise history, of course, that is only six years long. But Entering this series, it seems the goaltending advantage was going to be on the side of the Panthers. The man known as Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky, was sensational to get Florida to this point. But he has been outdone by Aiden Hill on the other side for Vegas. In fact, Bobrovsky pulled from the game in the second period with his Panthers club down four zip you can see what the save props were last night only nine for Bobrovsky 29 just missing by the hook for Aiden Hill but still an outstanding performance to back up his high scoring offense of seven goals quickly we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here opening hour of a Tuesday live on the morning after on sports grid Sirius XM channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well I am Ben Stevens the Vegas Golden Knights score seven goals last night at home easily winning seven to two making sure that minus 142 money line favorite price comes in with a cash the luck in sin city for las vegas has been sensational here's their best boss bruce cassidy after the game um, how worried were you when jack left the ice the way he did after the hit and and how big was that for the group for him to come back and set up a goal on his first shift yeah you know obviously when it happens but he got up, he skated off. That's always step number one. He's not, you know, on the ice and needing assistance. So he, he got hit hard. We t in between periods, I asked him, he's fine. And, and that's, you know, it's easier to laugh about, not laugh, but it's okay to get hit in June. This is part of the journey, you know. It's, it hurts to win, and it's, it's not supposed to be easy. So good for him. He, I think he saw some of it coming, but not enough to get out of the way. Uh, it was a clean hit. That's hockey, um, and we were very, very, I think, as a group, great to see him come back. Not, as, not only does it give us juice, but sometimes it can take away juice from the other team if they you know, see a guy come back. So uh, it was good for the group. Bruce Cassidy referring to a Matthew Kachuk hit on Jack Eichel that made Jack Eichel leave the ice. As Bruce Cassidy alluded to, a clean but very hard hit. Eichel came back, got an assist. Vegas scored seven goals. They have a 2-0 series lead. And the Golden Knights entered the Stanley Cup final as a minus-125 series outright favorite. The number now is minus 500 even working from that minus 490 price you see on your screen vegas a commanding lead looking for their first stanley cup in franchise history around the major league baseball done up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Back live right here on a Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all around the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. Time to go all around the Major League Baseball diamond from the action that we had on a Monday, setting the stage for this Tuesday as well. Who better to join us to do that than Jack McMullen, the play-by-play -play voice 
of the Indianapolis Indians, the AAA affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. A big day there in Indy for the Buckos organization. And of course, doing some sensational work with our good friends over at Just Baseball Media. Jack, as always, we appreciate your time here bright and early on a Tuesday on the morning after. Absolutely, Ben. Happy Henry Davis Day to all who celebrate 2021's number one overall pick. So that's that's what got me out of bed this morning, which is really exciting. Uh, I also know that we may get to talk about Shane McClanahan, which is equally as exciting. Both of those things are true, Jack McMullen. Henry Davis, the number one overall pick in the 2021 Major League Baseball draft, as you alluded to, batting this year with 10 home runs and 27 ribbies for the Altoona Curve, the double-A affiliate of the Buckos, now about to head to triple-A. A big day for Jack and everybody involved in that Pittsburgh Pirates organization. All right, now to the Major League Baseball level. You mentioned Shane McClanahan. He's been pretty darn good this year as well. A makeup yesterday early between the Rays and the Red Sox in their four-game set among the divisional foes. Tampa wins the finale. Four to one. They win the final three games of this four-game series. And Jack Shane McClanahan, sensational again. Six innings of work, only allowing one earned run. He is nine and one this year with a 202 ERA. When you look at Tampa Bay and everything involved with this Rays team at this point of the year, Jack, are they still the best team in Major League Baseball? Yes, and you don't have to look much farther than the record, right? They're 43 and 19, which is unfreaking believable. Tampa is so good. The lineup is so deep. But I've got a take that I'm, de I'm debuting here on the morning Woo! after. Now that Jacob DeGrom is on the 60-day IL, I'm ready to firmly plant my flag in the camp that Shane McClanahan is the best pitcher in baseball. I do believe that wow. he's nine and one with a 202. I mean, he's leading the American League in ERA. He's leading Major League Baseball in wins. This guy, since he broke in, has had crazy stuff. It's high 90s fastball, crazy breaking balls, and this changeup that continues to get better year over year. This guy had a quote unquote bad outing yesterday. Six innings of one run ball. He didn't strike out many. He worked around two walks. You look at this, and you're almost not impressed because his other line scores are that much more impressive. To me, that's the mark of the best arm in baseball. When you can look at six innings of one run ball and scoff and say, yeah, he didn't have his best stuff. He's unbelievable. I think he's the best pitcher in the game. And I think Tampa is the best team in baseball. So, Jack, you see those odds on your screen to win the American League Cy Young Award. Shane McClanahan is the favorite, plus 310, about $2.50 in front of New York's Garrett Cole. Is Shane McClanahan, in your mind, Jack, the clear favorite right now to win the AL Cy Young? Yes, I don't want to say that it's not close because I think that there are some other guys that are throwing the ball exceptionally well. I wouldn't move off the AL Cy Young conversation without mentioning three other guys. Sonny Gray with the Minnesota Twins, mm. Framber Valdez with the Houston Astros, and Nate Eovaldi with the Texas Rangers. I think plus mm. 1,200 for Eovaldi is a spot to jump if you're looking to get in on this race. I, I think that this guy is throwing the ball better than most. Um, I, I truly think the only two guys in the AL that are throwing the ball better than Eovaldi right now are McClanahan and Framber Valdez. And I think the odds reflect that. Garrett Cole had that great start to the year. He struggled a little bit. Obviously, it's relatively speaking, but right. I look at McClanahan, who is on pace to blow by that 20-win marker. I look at Framber Valdez, who looks like he's going to lead the league in innings pitched. And then I look at Ivaldi, 
who's going to be putting his team in the best chance to win every fifth day because he's pitching out of his mind right now. And oh, by the way, the Rangers have the best offense in baseball in terms of just runs scored per game. So those are the three that I probably ID and Sonny Gray looks good at plus 1900 as well. Evaldi right now, 8-2 this year, a 2-2-4 ERA to Texas Rangers, the second-best record in all of Major League Baseball. 39 wins for the Rangers, again, only behind the Rays. And really, Jack, that's been the story of the first two-plus months of this Major League Baseball season. The four best marks right now in all of MLB hail from the American League. Five of the six best records all from the American League. So as we look at the pennant odds, Jack, detail it for us. Just how competitive is that race for the pennant in the American League going to be the rest of this season? Yeah, really competitive, man. I mean, Toronto got a clunker of a start from Alec Manoa yesterday, but they are certainly, you know, not one to ignore at plus 750 because Barrios is throwing better. Gosman is throwing pretty well. Bassett is throwing out of his mind right now. And we know what that offense can do. Dalton Varsho is getting hot. Vladdy and Bo Bichette are awesome. Um, I love Houston still. I think Houston is, quote unquote, the, the best team in baseball, I guess. You know, I, I mean, mm. Tampa is, but Houston, I think, is better set up for a deep postseason run. And they're getting hot right yeah. now. The Yankees are always going to be there. Texas's offense, I'm worried they'll get cold at some point because you've got so many people outperforming what they have done. You think, hey, maybe we regress to the mean a little bit like people are are viewing Tampa as well. But, man, this is a deep league. And with how thin and how down the National League is, the American League is as strong as we've seen in the last decade or so. You mentioned the Houston Astros, the reigning World Series champs playing that level of baseball right now. Over their past 25 games, Houston is 19-6, and six, including that absolute clubbing of Toronto yesterday. 11-4, the victory for the Strohs. Alec Manoa, one of the bright young stars, an all-star last year for the American League, struggling right now. 1-7 this season, a 6-3-6 ERA. He allowed six in the first inning to Houston yesterday, Jack, only got through one out. We'll talk about that at a later date. We fast forward right now to the National League East. A divisional duel starting today in Atlanta between the Braves and the Mets. The Braves right now the best record in the NL, favored at home against their divisional foes in the Amazons, who had some spark entering the weekend after sweeping another divisional foe in the Philadelphia Phillies to only be swept by those Toronto Blue Jays. What's the breakdown, Jack, of the opening game of this divisional set between the Braves and the Mets? Well, if you just look at ERA, you've got the best pitcher in baseball towing the rubber for Atlanta and Bryce Elder, right? He's the only qualified starter with a sub two. The baseball savant bubbles hate Bryce Elder. If you judge guys based off red and blue baseball savant bubbles, Bryce Elder should probably be in AAA. Not the case, man. This guy has mastered in the early goings. And I don't want to say mastered because, again, like it's Bryce Elder. But he has mastered who he is at this point in the year and that his sinker slider have the ball on the ground. Uh, I think Elder can get a lot of outs. I think that this Mets offense is as streaky as they come. I don't think that they are in this hot streak that they want to be in right now. Uh, And Atlanta, they're always going to run out a viable candidate. They have the starting pitching depth to option Mm -hmm. Mike Soroka after two starts. They're going to turn to A.J. Smith-Shaver, who's a really exciting rookie right-hander at some point, I think. Strider is 
unbelievable. I think this offense is good enough. Uh, I do think that Atlanta is going to flex their muscles on the Mets. I don't think the Mets are in the best spot right now. I think Atlanta is in a much better spot. The Braves, the best record in the National League, but the Dodgers right now, the favorites, plus 185. It's only a 15-cent distinction between L.A. and Atlanta at 2-1. to one. Jack, about 30 seconds left in this segment. Just how much of a distinction is there between the top of or the tier of the top two and the rest of the National League? I think it's a huge distinction, man. I mean, the Dodgers have their flaws. The Braves are having a really down year from the rookie of the year last year in Michael Harris. I think that those two, even with those shortcomings, are so much better than an offensively anemic Padres team uh, and a mm. struggling Mets team right now. I think there's a huge gap between Atlanta, the Dodgers, and everybody else. Jack McMullen, the play-by-play -play voice of the Indianapolis Indians. On a huge day in Indy, Jack, thank you so much for your time. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A big day in Paris at the 2023 French Open at Roland Garros. Quarterfinal matches on both the men's and women's side, establishing part of the semifinals. We are getting closer to those championship matches over the weekend. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. To break it all down, what is happening at the French Open, we welcome in our good friend Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook. A big match currently underway in the men's quarterfinal between Novak Djokovic and Karen Hotchinov. We'll look at that and what is happening live as we go all around the draw on both sides. Pam, thank you so much for joining us here bright and early on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, of course. Anytime we can talk tennis, let's do it. <laughs> Let's absolutely do it. A couple of the matches on the women's side of things in the quarterfinal round this morning. Carolina Muhova gets the victory to advance to the semifinal. She will face off against Arena Sabalenka, who has been sensational to start so far at the 2023 French Open at Roland Garros. Pam, what was your reaction to the two quarterfinal matches you saw in the women's draw earlier this morning? I mean, Sabalenka is coming into this really good form right now. Um, she's one of the players that I pegged pre-tournament to do well, but I think she is just playing some really solid tennis right now. Her power is so strong. She has yet to drop a set. Um, she's made it through a tie break, com uh, not pretty comfortably. It was a 7-5 tie break against Lone Stevens in the fourth round, but her serve is just really on point right now, and it's really difficult to defend. So I'm really interested to see Sabalenka and Mucheva in the next match. I think that's going to be a great three-set match that we're going to see. So right now we go to the men's side. Djokovic and Hachinov facing off currently in Paris. Both have won a game so far in the opening set. Pam, it's very early on. I know you've been watching so far. What have you seen out of this quarterfinal match on the men's side featuring Novak Djokovic? Um, well, this match just started, but what I've seen from Djokovic in this tournament, I'm really impressed with and happy with. I know that's a bit of an understatement, bit of an overstatement considering that Djokovic was the world number one for so long. But coming into this tournament, the biggest question mark that we had was, is Djokovic in good fitness right now? Because he's had a couple of injuries to his elbow. He had a hamstring injury. He has something here on his chest or call, <laughs> um, 
because of his health conditions that he's possibly having but i think he's been that's checked that box for me is checked he had a really grueling even though he won in straight sets a grueling three set match over alejandro davidovich fakina two tie breaks yeah. he those were very long rallies the conditions were slow it was if you had any question marks regarding Djokovic and his fitness level and if he is in good health, yeah, his injuries are good. He's been battle tested already. And you see it from his cross court forehand. He's locked in. Djokovic is locked in. I have no doubt that he's going to get through Hatchinov just fine. Novak Djokovic was a pre-match minus 1,600 heavy odds on favorite. He won the second game of the opening set over Hachinov at the moment. He is back to that live number of minus 1,600. Pam, you have let us know time and again, whether it's through a Grand Slam or any high event at in the world of tennis, that betting tennis live is where you can find remarkable profits. What would you have to see here throughout this match that would allow you to jump in on a favorable live number? Um, what I'm looking for is Djokovic pre-match was minus seven to in games. I believe that Djokovic can win this match in straight sets at worst in four. But in the first set is where you're going to see Hachinov really give everything that he has. He's going to give him full power. He's going to have his, that's where you're going to have his most energy. I wouldn't doubt that this goes to maybe a first set tiebreak, or maybe you're going to see Djokovic win seven five, of which you're going to get a much better live number of than, than, than mm. minus seven games. I would be looking for minus five or better. It's a really good look. Novak Djokovic, like Pam alluded to, has been tested, but yet to drop a set so far at the 2023 French Open. The other marquee match that we have in the men's quarterfinal round later this afternoon, Pam, is Carlos Alcaraz, the number one seed in this tournament against Stefano Tsitsipas. What do you expect from this matchup that sees Alcaraz is nearly a $5 outright favorite? I expect Alcaraz to make this look like a warm-up. Carlitos has a 4-0 head-to-head record. The last win was a 6-3, 6-4 win in Barcelona. That was just in April. The problem is for Tsitsipas. He seems to be playing worse against Carlitos every time that you go up against him. This is a warm-up for Carlos. Um, there's two things. Tsitsipas, his backhand is the worst part of his game, and it will absolutely be exploited. Akras, he has that inside-out forehand. That is a threat. He goes, he has a down-the-line forehand. That is a threat. He has the drop shot. He has the lob. There is not a single weapon that Akras doesn't have that Sitsipas is able to combat with. Sitsipas, he tends to have a slice game in that he uses it more of like a defense rather than an offense. You cannot do that with Carlitos, who just absolutely generates so much power on his own. Akras has the serve and volley. This is just a terrible matchup for Sitsipas, and he's coming into this with some <laughs> confidence, um, having done well so far to get to this point. This is where he's going to come right back down to earth, and Carlitos is going to make this just look like a Monday morning. The odds back up what Pam is saying right there. The most likely outcome of this match, as the odds see it, is Alcaraz to win in straight sets, 3 nothing. It's plus mm -hmm. 135. Alcaraz has only dropped one set so far in his run through the 2023 French Open. And Pam, as you detailed for us before the tournament got underway, Alcaraz and Djokovic on the same side of the men's draw, meaning that if both are victorious today, they would face each other, not in the men's final over the weekend in Paris, but in the men's semifinal matchup. So on the bottom half of the draw, Pam, who do you think might be able to challenge either Alcaraz or Djokovic the best in a potential final match? 
I mean, Casper Rude, you have to look at him and think that he's coming into this with the best of the final four at the bottom. His next matchup is against Holger Runa, who definitely has a complete game right now on the men's side. But Runa has faced Rude more than any other opponent at this point in his career, yet he holds a 1-4 record against him. You can officially call this a rivalry, um, but he got the best of Rude just recently in the Rome semifinal. The pr primary concern for Runa coming into Roland Garros, and now especially coming into this match, is his endurance level. He was gassed in the third set in his last match. He forfeited the fourth set to preserve the energy, and that's he has it's going to be a lot more difficult to do something like that against Casper Rude. It's exhausting to play against Rude's forehand. So the big picture is that Runa can absolutely uh, improve in that area in his fitness, maybe for the long term. Before this match, yeah. he's not ready and the lack of fitness is not going to be enough. Slower conditions, longer and rallies, better fitness, better forehand. Give me Rude at minus 125. That is a great grab on him. And you can see right there, by far, Pam, that is the closest distinction in the odds pre-match of any that we will see out of the four in the quarterfinal. Kasper Rude is the favorite, but it's just a minus 128 price. We mentioned Novak Djokovic underway right now. Pre-match was minus 1,600. Carlos Alcaraz near a $5 favorite as well. Back to the women's side. Entering the 2023 French Open, the defending champion Iga Sviantec was an odds-on favorite, around a minus 125, minus 130 number. But Pam, entering the tournament, Sviantec was also plus 410 to win the French Open title without dropping a set. And about to enter the quarterfinal round of action, Sviantec very much on pace. How would you describe Iga Sviantec's performance so far in Paris? dominance <laughs> there's i was one of the i made a mistake i said Shoyatek was not a bet that i wanted to make she came into this possibly with an injury she came into this possibly looking a little bit fatigued not playing her old self she is on an absolute tear here and she is proving me wrong and against coco goff i wish i took the bet where she was going to win this tournament without dropping a set because she is well on her way to doing so Coco Goff is also going to look like a routine match. She has a 5-1 record. So attack holds a 5-1 record over Goff. Goff hasn't won a set in the last four matches. Has won only 14 games during that span. The problem for Goff, she just plays a lot of defense. She has a very vulnerable forehand. She relies on her backhand. And Iga can absolutely swat that like a fly. So her offense is not threatening to the power of Iga. In, I mean, I expect Iga to get through this comfortably. She has bageled yeah. in four matches. She has bageled her opponent in each one. So I expect her to do, have another bagel here. So if you can get some type of odds of 6-0, 6-1, 6-2 in the second set at plus 120 odds, that's what I would be looking for. <laughs> Four bagels out of the six sets that it took her to win in her opening three matches yep. at Roland Garros. And you mentioned the quarterfinal draw for Sviantec against the American Coco Goff, a rematch of last year's championship match at Roland Garros that Iga Sviantec also won in straight sets. Pam, the breakdown there does not look all that favorable for Coco Goff. The odds agreeing, Iga Sviantec, a minus 1,400 pre-match favorite. Is there anything Goff can do to keep it more competitive than what we saw last year in that title match in Paris? Absolutely not. She just doesn't have her game. How I'm talking about Sitsipas doesn't have a game to combat with a Carlitos. 
Neither does Coco Goff have a game to combat with Igasuya Tech. It is just a huge mismatch, both on paper and in realization. She just doesn't have a forehand. She doesn't play a lot of offense. She plays more defense. And Iga has a lot of power that she can generate on her own. And Coco Goff just doesn't have any. She's not a counterpuncher. She doesn't come into the net. She's just not a really, there's nothing in her game that can be competitive. She's going to get overwhelmed. You're going to see her kind of just like, ugh lose her confidence almost immediately. Yeah. A bagel, I would say I have more confidence in a bagel happening than in Coco Goff picking up a set. <laughs> and if you can find those odds somewhere on the FanDuel Sportsbook to bet, it seems like what Iga Sviantec is doing right now at Roland Garros, that is the way to go. That match gets underway, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, local here for what is happening over in Paris. Pam Aldonado breaking down everything for the 2023 French Open from the Yahoo Sportsbook. Joining us here on this Tuesday on the morning after. Pam, as always, we greatly appreciate your time and your insight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. More on the morning after up next, including the idea that LeBron James is heading to the state of Texas. Really? Maybe? We'll talk about it next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Change venues for the first time in the 2023 NBA Finals. One final off day before we head to South Beach as the Heat get ready to host the Denver Nuggets. In a series tied at one game, all will take an early look at what we can expect to see in game number three tomorrow night, but also allows us some time to go around the association. And if you've been on Twitter in the last 24 hours, you know what we are going to discuss as well. But to help us do that here on this Tuesday on the morning after, it is our good friend, Dexter Henry, a sports anchor for both SNY and the New York Post, joining us here on this Tuesday. Dexter, some coaching higher news. Yeah, we'll look at the NBA Finals, and I guess there's this thing that LeBron James might be a Dallas Maverick in 2023-24. There's always drama in the offseason in the association. Dexter, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Always good to talk some hoops with you. And yes, there's always drama in the association. We're here for it. We love it. We always are here for it. Let's start with the coaching hires, though. But some pretty big names being hired to new spots in the last seven to ten days. And that includes Monty Williams. We broke it down last week. The highest ever coaching contract in the history of the association. He will take over a young core in Detroit for the Pistons. Nick Nurse, the new head man in Philadelphia, looking to finally bring Joel Embiid and James Harden to the promised land of an Eastern Conference Finals. And Frank Vogel, an NBA championship winning head coach, now the new head man in the desert for the Phoenix Suns. Some assistants also making the way. Steven Silas, who was the head coach of the Rockets this past season, joining Monty in Detroit. Sam Cassell, a big pickup for the young Joe Missoula in Boston, and some other names that you will see right there. So as you look first, Dexter, at the three main head coaching hires that we have seen. Nick Nurse to Philadelphia, Monty Williams to Detroit, and Frank Vogel to Phoenix. Which hire do you like the most? I think the hire that I like the most, actually, and I think it's the, probably the most boring hire here, is Frank Vogel to the Suns. And I like it because mm -hmm. I think Frank Vogel has had the experience of coaching two superstars in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. 
He's a fantastic defensive coach. We know what he did in Indiana, getting him to back-to-back -back Eastern Conference Finals in 2013 and 2014. Frank Vogel's a good coach. He got a raw deal in L.A. And I think he yeah. can be a good fit in Phoenix, depending on how they fill out their roster, because their issue to me is depth. But I think he's a guy that can coach Devin Booker, coach Kevin Durant, I think will be a good fit there. Sure, like I said, not the sexiest hire, but I think he's a really solid hire that can fit into what that team is trying to do. And look, they're trying to get over the hump. They've been to an NBA Finals. They've had two disappointing exits in the second round the last two years. So I think he's a coach who's won a championship, has a good defensive pedigree, and I think can get them to that next level. Listen, the Denver Nuggets won the Western Conference. They were the conference's top seed virtually all NBA season long. Of course, playing in an NBA championship and still the favorites to win that Larry O'Brien trophy. But I can almost guarantee you, even sitting here in the second week of June, that when the odds come out for next year, Phoenix is not going to be all that far off from the Nuggets' price to win the West, if not even in front of where Denver stands. All right, yesterday, Dexter, we're going about our day. It's a Monday afternoon. There's not a ton happening in the world of sports. And then the athletic Sham Sharania, who also does some great work for FanDuel TV, drops this report that Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron James about the possibility of not heading to L.A., but having LeBron move to Texas to join him as a member of the Dallas Mavericks. Dexter, let's start there. Is it even realistic mm -hmm. to see LeBron James in a Mavericks uniform next season? In a short answer, no. It's absolutely unrealistic. I don't think there's much of a chance that this happens at all whatsoever. But I think when you look at this, Ben, I think you have to look at what this really tells you here, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason it's unrealistic, just before I get to that for a second, the reason it is unrealistic is because even if this was going to happen and the Lakers were going to trade LeBron James to the Dallas Mavericks, what do the Dallas Mavericks have that the Lakers would want? They'd have some players you could talk about, you know, uh, you know, Luka Doncic was who they would want, but that's not going to happen. They right. talk about uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., some other guys. They have this year's pick, the 10th pick overall, a future first-round pick. They do not have much to trade, right? So this is why it's unrealistic. The other way this could happen is it could be a buyout. That's also very unlikely. So what does this tell you? What this tells me is that Kyrie Irving is not going to take a discount. There's been all this talk about him wanting to play with LeBron James. And if he comes to L.A., he's going to want the full max that he can get. Now, I think the question out there is, is anybody going to give Kyrie Irving the full max? And if I was running a team, I would not because I don't know if he's going to show up to work. But I think this right. is very unrealistic. I think this is just going to get more of the chatter about can the two play together. But in Dallas, no, don't see it happening. It's very interesting, Dexter, because following that four-game sweep in the Western Conference Finals, part of the conversation wasn't about the Nuggets appearing in the NBA Finals for the first time in their 47-year franchise history. It was LeBron mulling the idea, potentially, of his future in basketball or retiring after his 20th NBA season. It seemed like it was leverage, if you read between the tea leaves. That's what it seems mm -hmm. like here in this report that Kyrie wants LeBron in Dallas, that they want to play together. Something big has to happen this summer for LeBron James to fully be content in Los Angeles. Like Dexter alluded to, LeBron's under contract this upcoming season. He has a player option for 2024-25, but he's under contract this year, and it would be a large buyout for Los Angeles if they were trying to get through that. Don't expect that to be the case. All right, Dexter. That's enough of that. 
We'll do our job here <laughs> and we'll focus on the basketball still left to be played in the 2023 NBA Finals. Game number two on Sunday night in the Mile High City. For the first time in this postseason, the Denver Nuggets lose at home. The Heat becoming the first ever eight seed to win a road game in NBA Finals history. 111-108 Miami winning outright as an eight-point underdog. Dexter, as you look back on game number two, what was the best thing Miami did to steal that game in Denver? I mean, it's really simple in terms of Miami. They made shots and executed in the fourth quarter. I mean, what it came down to, when you look at the third quarter and how well Jokic played, dominant with 18 points, you're thinking Denver is going to run away with this game. But when I look at this, Miami executed well, and I don't want to take anything away from them. Denver also had some terrible defense to start that quarter, uh, some open mm -hmm. threes that were hit. Uh, we all saw this to start the game, and Denver didn't play with the requisite energy that I think you would have liked to have seen from them. You heard Michael Malone talk about that even before game two, saying that his team hadn't accomplished anything yet. But you got to give Miami credit. They executed well down the stretch. Uh, they got better shooting performances from their role players. Kevin Love contributed in this one. But I think it really came down to execution and, and them actually running their offense to Bam at a bio in the fourth quarter yeah. and him coming up with big plays. That was very impressive. So, you know, the key is, can we see Miami do this again? I said this before, and I said this last time we talked that not counting Miami out. I thought they could win two games in the series. They've got one. Yeah. They're a dangerous team because they know how to execute in these situations. Miami has always been undervalued by the odds on this playoff run. Booked as an underdog 16 times already. They are 12-4 against the spread. Dexter, a big storyline out of game number two with Nikola Jokic going off for 41 points but only adding in four assists for the third time in this postseason for Denver. When Jokic has scored 40 or more, the Nuggets have lost all three of those games. Now, I don't think this is necessarily the case, but Dexter, is it as easy for Miami defensively as let Jokic score and take away everything else? Yeah, see, I never buy into that notion at all, Ben, right? Like, I don't think it's that easy. And I even heard Eric Spolster talk about this after game two. He basically said the notion was ridiculous, right? It comes down to Denver has to execute. And we saw certain guys that executed for them in game one offensively, namely Michael yeah. Porter Jr. And then even Aaron Gordon, to some degree, did not. And mainly Michael Porter Jr. And I think to watch with him is, He's a guy who Nikola Jokic can find on a lot of cuts, also out there for open threes. Michael Porter Jr. did not play in this game because of his struggles defensively. You saw Michael Malone yank him twice in this contest, and I think that's something to definitely keep your eye on going forward. Also, I thought the Nuggets didn't execute at a high level attacking Kevin Love. I thought they would try to exploit his defensive fist. We didn't see that. I would expect Jokic to have much more assists. I don't think it's just about making him a scorer and I think, I think that works. Jokic can hurt you in many different ways, rebounding, passing, and scoring in all facets of the game. So I wouldn't read too much into the fact that he had a low amount of assists in game two. I'd be stunned if he doesn't have seven, eight, or more assists in game three. And it doesn't seem like a recipe for success to say, okay, Nikola Jokic, go give us 40. Yeah. We're going to guarantee to win that yeah. basketball game. No, Not I don't a guarantee. think that's the plan <laughs> No, definitely not. Not the plan for Miami, nor Eric Spolstra moving forward. Michael Porter Jr. Dexter, like you mentioned, only 26 minutes in game number two. One of six from deep, only five points. And it was the first time in six games Jamal Murray did not score at least 
25, snapping a streak of six in consecutive games, scoring 25 or more. So, Dexter, you're not taking Miami lightly. You are not now. You nope. weren't before this series got underway. And as the odds stack up, as we head to Miami for game number three, the Nuggets still a minus 270 odds-on favorite to win their first ever Larry O'Brien trophy. Is this series, though, Dexter, going to be even more competitive than you initially expected? Oh, I, I do. I do think it's more competitive because I think people have looked at the gap between these two teams, if there is that much of a gap, right? And they've said, oh, well, Denver has a more high-end talent, and Miami doesn't because we still be, we're still talking at this point in the NBA Finals about their undrafted players. And I think we have to stop doing that with Miami and saying that, look, Miami actually just has good NBA players. There's good NBA talent here that's been proven on the playoff stage. These guys come ready to play. They're well coached. They respond. So, yes, I think this is going to be a lot more competitive. And I think what's interesting, Ben, is going to game three in Miami. How does Miami come out? And how does Denver respond now on the road where they've been punched in the mouth a little bit and they've lost their first game at home, knowing they've got to win one on the road here to get this back, get the home court advantage back. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond. But this series is going to be a lot more competitive. I still think Miami at least gets two games here. So the odds don't reflect it, but I like Miami to still be competitive. So let's go to game number three because the odds slightly peculiar once again. Miami has been booked as an underdog in 16 of their 20 playoff games so far. If the line holds for tomorrow night in game number three, even in South Beach, it would be 17 of 21 games for the Heat booked as the dog because currently Denver is a two and a half point road favorite for game number three of the 2023 NBA Finals. So Dexter, the question rather simple. Is the right side favored for game number three tomorrow night? Yeah, I do think the right side is still favored here. I like the Nuggets minus the two and a half. I would take the Nuggets to cover this spread. I still think they bounce back well. I think they respond very well. I expect that Michael Malone will be getting into his team, especially on the yeah. defensive. But I don't think it will be easy at all whatsoever. But I do think they're able to cover. So I do like the Nuggets favored here. And I do think that's a good play for the betters out there. A very competitive game expected nonetheless tomorrow night. Seeing the Nuggets as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, the Heat an underdog once again. 12-4 and four against the number here in the playoffs as a dog. Ten of those 12 covers, an outright victory. Here are the NBA Finals MVP odds as well. We mentioned the Nuggets a minus 270 outright favorite to win the series. Nikola Jokic is a minus 260 Finals MVP favorite. Only 10 cents of difference in those two numbers. Dexter Henry, we appreciate your time as always. A great breakdown all around the association on this Tuesday. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you, man. We round out the opening hour of the morning after live right here on SportsGrid. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of a Tuesday live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all around the Sports Grid Network, and that includes 
the new Spiz Grizz app. That's the Sports Grid app. Available for download at the Apple App Store. Scan the QR code on your screen. In a matter of moments, you will be able to scan that QR code on your screen. And then, in a matter of moments, even after those matter of moments, you will have the new Sports Grid app in the palm of your hand you guys are making me look really bad right now to not put up the qr code but hey we'll get to that in just a minute regardless you can download the new sports grid app there it is was that a joke anyway there is the qr code on your screen much love to everybody behind the scenes and you can have all of our information insights and data sets available for you at the new sports grid app so as we round out this opening hour we have two championship series underway we're about to enter game number three in the sunshine, sunshine state, excuse me, for both the NBA Finals in Miami tomorrow night against the Nuggets and in Sunrise, Florida on Thursday night between the Golden Knights and the Panthers. Which series ends first? That was the question and fade the public. So which series ends first? That was the question at Sports Grid TV on Twitter. The NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup final. Of course, the difference here, Vegas holds a 2-0 series lead, while in the NBA finals, we're even up at one game apiece. So the question for you, pick between the Cup final or the NBA finals, and a good majority of the public, 75% of the public, going with the Stanley Cup final. Denver right now is a minus 270 odds-on favorite to win the NBA finals, outright Vegas is a minus 500 favorite between the Stanley Cup final outright the odds agreeing with the public but I think we'll see some more games in both the Cup final and the NBA finals as well our number two of the morning after is up next live right here on sports